Dear family members and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, who writes a divine equation upon our hearts anew this day. Amen. All of a sudden, there was total silence. You could have heard an eraser drop as the one they called teacher spoke up. Do you have something that you'd like to share? Oh, how the disciples must have felt like children again, getting caught, passing notes in class. Now, it wasn't so much the passing of notes that was embarrassing, but the shame of what was written on these notes. For on the notes were scribbled three words, who's the greatest? Now, some had answered Peter, who was the president of their little congregation of 12. Others wrote down that it was James, who was the head usher. Or others wrote down John, who was definitely the best-looking and the brightest. But deep down, when they heard this question of Jesus, their yammering egos were put in their place next to a child. You see, they've been arguing about who's the greatest because they couldn't stand what Jesus had just said a few days before about his having to suffer and be crucified. Couldn't understand it. But even Peter had been called Satan for trying to argue Jesus into the world's expectations of power and glory. Reminiscent of the tempter's voice to Jesus in the wilderness, he must have been thinking, if you are the Son of God, then stones churn to bread, the world's your oyster, mirror, mirror on the wall. So the disciples in our gospel text are trying to get away from the shock of it all by playing status games instead. If the CEO is talking divestments and sacrifice and servanthood, one of us had better take charge here, take over here, huh? So, what would the stakeholders think? Who's first, the best, the greatest? Now, someone who has served as a hospital chaplain and a parish pastor for now some 40 years, I know, and so do you, what this is like. The shock, the trauma, trying to avoid the realities of the hell of life at times. And when you're deathly afraid of something like a cross, you don't ask. You talk about the weather or something that makes you feel uh, bigger, stronger. That's what the disciples were doing. And that's why Jesus had them sit down and gives them a leadership seminar right then and there. Whoever wants to be first of all, he tells them, must be last of all and a servant of all. 
As New Testament scholar Mark Edwards observes, at no point does the way of Jesus diverge more sharply from the way of the world than on the question of greatness. The challenge is to be great in things that matter to God. That is the needs of others, especially those who are vulnerable. And no vocation affords the opportunity to give more than that of a servant. So writes Edwards. Well, then in the midst of the shame and guilt-ridden silence of it all, Jesus lifts a little child up into his arms. Now, I mean, they want to know who's the greatest, right? So Jesus shows them. 26 inches tall, limited vocab, unemployed, zero net worth. In other words, here's God's agent. The last, the least of these. You see, in Jesus' time, and much like our own children, we're often overlooked. They were gifts of God who would be useful someday to look after the folks, hold down a job, and have kids of their own. But in the meantime, they were non-entities. They were considered nobodies, like some fuzzy caterpillars who you feed and take care of until they grow up and become beautiful butterflies. But Jesus' teaching regarding the kingdom of God turns this kind of thinking on its head. Now let's be careful here. Jesus isn't holding children up as some kind of moral exemplars. He didn't say to imitate them after all. Rather, Jesus goes to the blackboards of our hearts and writes an amazing divine equation. So you're probably asking now, well, what's this divine equation? It's right there for those of you who have your Bibles open in verse 37. Jesus says, when you welcome a child in my name, you welcome me. And when you welcome me, you welcome not only me, but the Father who has sent me. Do the math. Do the logic. At the beginning of his little book entitled, Dear God, Children's Letters to God, Child psychologist Dr. David Heller records a prayer by a seven-year-old girl named Lori who also knows this divine equation. Lori writes, Dear God, Jesus is a friend of mine. Since he's a friend of yours too, that makes us friends, right? Wow. This from a seven-year-old. And as Isaiah would say, and by a little child, we will be led. So do you want to be about greatness? Then get down on your knees on the floor with little Janie or Joey over there. Get paint and Play-Doh all over your clothes and laugh at their silly jokes and tell them they're precious in God's sight, each known by name. And never mind that you're having more important things to do like finishing the laundry or making the big bucks. As you heard once again during our celebrating God's gift of baptism as a family of faith, teach little Chloe the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments. 
read to her from the Holy Scriptures and teach her about God's law and promise in the small catechism as a child of God. Little children have no big dog status, no influence, and doesn't make them big in the world's eyes. But in God's eyes, they're just what we need in this dog-eat-dog world. And in spending time with them, caring for them, you're working on your own greatness. How? By understanding that it's what you do when you think no one's looking or listening with someone who doesn't count for no reward that ushers you right up into the presence of God. And if this, making, this is making your work righteous sensitivities nervous, listen to old Martin Luther himself as he draws on the language of Philippians 2. Luther writes, although the Christian is free from works, he ought in this liberty to empty himself, take upon himself the form of a servant, to be made in the likeness of humankind and to serve, help, and every way deal with one's neighbor in need as you see that God through Christ has dealt and still deals with us. This he should do freely, having regard for nothing but divine approval. So writes Uncle Martin. Family and friends of First Lutheran, do you see what Jesus is up to here in our gospel lesson? It's one more of his lessons in the upside-down kingdom of God, where the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and everyone who thinks that he or she is king or queen of the hill is in for a big surprise. Jesus is not talking just about children either. He's talking about all the little ones in this witchy, who's the greatest of them all world, those who have no status, no influence, no income. As Jesus says in Matthew 25, 40, as you do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you do it unto me, says Jesus. My friends, Jesus is inviting you, his disciples still today, to welcome to welcome them as bearers of God, to believe that God's hierarchy is in inverse proportion to all the power-mongering, the ladder-climbing, the strutting and fretting of this old world, to hear anew this word from our Lord, if anyone would be first, that person must be last of all and a servant of all. Amen. And now, finally, if you just bear with me, a moment, something of a postscript. I've been blessed for 43 years with a cherished colleague, my beloved wife, Kathy, who has this kind of servant heart that Jesus calls us to, one who knows this divine equation of Jesus. And years ago when I was trying to balance at once serving as a pastor and a professor and finishing a dissertation for the U of Chicago and Harvard. She was often like a single parent with our three children. The only time I think she was able to use her school psych degree. And during all the years of parish ministry that require 60 and 
70-hour work weeks, she kept the home fires burning. But now this beautiful servant's heart is severely challenged by a vicious disease called ALS. And so it's more than time that I give as a full-time measure of servant care as I can to Kathy. As Proverbs 31 witnesses serendipitously, one of our texts assigned for today, the wisdom of a mother looks well to the ways of her household. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who serves the Lord is to be praised. And so given all this, having visited with our, our president, Martin Oyos, as well as our bishop, Constanza Hagmeyer, I'll be concluding my tenure as your senior pastor on November 28th, the Sunday following Thanksgiving. The executive committee will be taking steps to secure an interim senior pastor, hopefully someone as effective as Pastor Dave Johnson was in this role. And so it is the Spirit drawing upon the, the words of St. Paul. I thank God in all my remembrance of this you, a wonderful family of First Lutheran Church, in the mission, the ministry that we have shared together for now some 20 plus years. And yes, I give thanks to God uh, for you and continue to pray for you from the first day until now, the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.